Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, and thanks for listening to Voice of the Church. I'm Pastor Ryan Swale, and I want to look at the end of the Song of Songs today, the last seven or so verses of chapter 8, where after summing up the theology of the book and saying marital love is a flash of divine love in 8 verse 6, we're given some application. The speaker says in verse 8, Uh, We have a little sister, and she has no breasts. Uh, What shall we do for our sister on the day when she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build on her a battlement of silver, but if she is a door, we will enclose her with boards of cedar. And then the bride from earlier in the song says, I was a wall, and my breasts were like towers. Then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal-Hamon. He let out the vineyard to keepers. Each one was to bring for its fruit 1,000 pieces of silver. My vineyard, my very own, is before me, and you, O Solomon, may have the thousand, and the keepers of the fruit, the two hundred. And then the king says, you who dwell in the gardens with companions, listening for your voice, let me hear it. And she responds, make haste, my beloved. Be as a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. Another one of those passages that you might find yourself wondering what exactly it means for us. I would suggest three things. It teaches us about the priority, the promise, and purpose of purity. At the end of a book that sings the greatest song, a love song about the heavenly love that is signified in marriage, we're given here a little lesson on the importance of sexual purity. And we see its priority in verses 8 and 9, where we have this description of a wall and a door where the brothers say, we have a sister who is not yet fully developed. What shall we do for her on the day when she is spoken for? In other words, what should we do to prepare her for the day when someone asks for her hand in marriage? The song is now taking its teaching on the meaning of marriage and applying it very concretely. What is our responsibility to help our sister not awaken love before the proper time? To help her to be a wall and not a door. These are the two paths that she could follow. To be chaste and inaccessible, a wall or to be promiscuous and available, a door. The brothers determine to protect their sister by adding additional protection and honor if she is a wall, or by blocking access if she's a door. Here we see that protection of one's purity is to be prioritized, and that it's not a lone ranger pursuit, but it's something others take an interest in, both in the family and in the family of God. Meaning parents ought to be uh, talking about these things with their kids. Meaning church leaders ought to be talking about these things in the church. The world is very eager to catechize our children on these very things, teaching them to be doors and not walls, offering the wrong kind of protection. 
And so it's necessary that the church and the family would address these things from God's perspective and, and would help each other. In fact, the Westminster Larger Catechism speaks on, on the seventh commandment of preserving chastity not only in ourselves, but also in others. There is an obligation to cultivate communal purity. And that's one of the messages that this passage brings home very clearly, that in the family and in the family of God, we cultivate, especially in our youth, a passion for purity. Even a passion to protect our sisters. And one of the ways that um, young men do this is by resisting the temptation to view content where young women are objectified and trafficked being entertained by their exploitation, degradation, and abuse. That's not protecting your sister. Nor is it protecting the, the, the women who will one day be affected by your view of sexuality that's being shaped by what you watch. One of the ways you protect your sisters is by putting these things to death for God's glory and the honor of women made in his image which may require coming alongside each other to, to bear one another's burdens and confess sin. One of the applications of this section is that purity is a communal effort. Bonhoeffer said, Sin demands to have a man by himself, withdrawing him from community. The more isolated he is, the more destructive becomes the sin or the power of sin over him. As Bonhoeffer says, you must let the light of the gospel break through the darkness of your sin by confession. This passage is a call to fight sexual sin in community by confession. To cultivate chastity in ourselves and others in gospel community. And it's significant that, that Bonhoeffer says it's the light of the gospel that must break through. For sometimes it is the case that in accountability groups, it's not the gospel that motivates, but shame. Yet what do we see the brothers doing in verse 9? Not only applying the law to her sin, but boards of cedar, which are mentioned two other times in the Song of Songs in connection with the cedars of Lebanon of Solomon's temple. Meaning this mention of cedar may actually be an allusion to the temple, the place where atonement is made. Those who come alongside fellow sinners must not only apply the law to their sin, but the gospel of forgiveness provided in the temple as a shadow of the cross. Christopher Mitchell says the brothers apply the constructive fortification of forgiveness earned by Christ on the cross, applying the law and the gospel to those who've sinned. The door must first hear the condemnation of the law, but once the law brings them to repentance, the gospel of plenary forgiveness through Christ's sacrificial atonement, connoted by the cedar, must be applied. We see both the law and the gospel in verse 9. We see both the priority of purity and also the provision for impurity, which motivates us to go and sin no more. And as we do that, listen to the promise of verses 10 through 12, where the bride says, I was a wall, and even though my breasts were like towers, I let no one in, but kept the door locked. 
the same door that was mentioned back in chapter 4, where it said, A garden locked is my sister, my bride. No one had access into the garden of her love, but she was well protected. And because she was, it says, Then I was in his eyes as one who finds peace. This, I think, is a a multidimensional peace referring to the inner peace that she has as one without a guilty conscience, racked with shame. Uh, The peace she has with God as one who has kept his law and the peace she has with Solomon, whose name means peace. By preserving purity, she has found shalom in the eyes of Shalomo, Solomon, entering into the covenant of peace that is marriage. Which is described in verses 11 and 12, where she says her very own vineyard is before her. Uh, a reference um, earlier throughout the song to her, her body, her love, where uh, the, the vineyard is hidden inside a wall so no one has access. Until verse 12, when she says, My own vineyard is before me and I give it to you, Solomon. You may have the thousandth. One thousand is a number of fullness. Uh, giving herself entirely and exclusively. And the progression of the passage suggests that she is able to do so because she was a wall. So she says, my, my vineyard is for you and you alone. There is an exclusivity in this passage by virtue of the help she's been given from those around her who built on her a battlement of silver who she recognizes at the end of verse 12, giving the keepers of the fruit 200, showing gratitude to those who have helped her see purity's priority and find peace. That's the promise of purity in Song of Songs 8, peace. Not to suggest that, that God cannot restore the years the locust has eaten for those who have not been a wall. But the burden of the passage is to hold up as beautiful the peace that is enjoyed with your spouse, with God, and with your conscience when you save yourself exclusively and entirely for another. And the reason this matters, the reason we should prioritize this is because of what it represents. The whole burden of the book is to show that marital love is a spark of God's love in the gospel. That's that's what the bride just said in 8 verse 6. So the reason for valuing purity is not just the enjoyment of peace, but the dramatic portrayal of the gospel story of Christ the greater than Solomon receiving a pure virgin as his bride. That's what Paul says in in 2 Corinthians 11. That's what John describes in Revelation 19, where we are robed in white apparel as the virgin bride of the son of David. And that reality is the purpose of the purity commended by the song. We see in, in verses 13 and 14 that this whole thing points to something else. As the book ends With the last verse, make haste, my beloved, be as a gazelle or a young stag on mountains of spices. It's interesting. The book ends with the same note of desire it began with in chapter 1, verse 2, and and the same invitation that was given in chapter 2, verse 17. The anticipation and unfulfilled desire that the book ends with suggests that this is pointing to something else. 
that that marriage and sexual union in this life never fully satisfy, but but marriage is penultimate. It's not given to fulfill our deepest desires, but points to another world. This is why we speak of purity eschatology. Eschatology meaning a study of the end. Because our preservation of purity is motivated by a desire to dramatically portray the gospel reality of a pure virgin presented to Christ, the son of David. It's motivated by our ultimate waiting for the bridegroom's coming. The reason we prioritize purity, the the reason the song three times tells us not to awaken love or stir it up before the proper time is because of what our bodies and sexuality and marriage picture. The gospel, which culminates in Revelation 19 with the wedding supper of the lamb and the bride having made herself ready, being kept pure and dressed in white. Purity, and eschatology. That's why the bride says in Revelation 22, Come, Lord Jesus. The Bible ends in the same place the song ends, waiting for the bridegroom. And we act out that waiting by living chastely before the Lord, prioritizing purity in our own wait for marriage, picturing the bride of Christ waiting for her groom. Or he will come again and we will dwell with him in that garden of verse 13, the garden city to come, enjoying the sweet wine of his love and that eternal honeymoon that will never end. And that's an invitation that is given both to walls and also to doors who have been boarded up by the cedar of the cross. Who the song now calls to act out of the church's waiting by living chastely before the Lord until the bridegroom comes. Thank you for listening. And may God bless you.